listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood, and I'm joined today by Carrie Tracy. Carrie is the SVP of Advertising at Podbean. Carrie, welcome to the program. Thanks, Heather. It's great to be on. So, Carrie, tell us just a little bit about your background and kind of how you ended up in the podcast space. Sure. I've got a pretty lengthy background, so I don't know if you have enough time in the podcast for it, but <laughs> I'll try to keep it short. I've always been in media, started off as selling TV time for CBS, and I was low man on the totem pole, probably sold for the 28 worst CBS affiliates. And from I was all entertaining, so I collected restaurant menus, and so I started a restaurant guy called the Carrie Calendar, the humble guy. Oh, that fun. Yeah. So we ended up having it in over 2,000 retail stores. And then the guys down on Wall Street at Reuters wanted to put the restaurant menus online. And this was, I'm going back, this was pre-Netscape. So when Netscape came around, AOL, Prodigy CompuServe, we took those New York restaurants and they, I said, what do we need to do to get this rolling? They said, you need to be in 10 cities. So we signed up the best restaurants around the country and um, ended up having the first national online restaurant guide. And then from there, I became publisher for Delta and British Airlines. We put together a destination guide for them. And from there, with both Delta and British Air, we it was based on what uh, whether you were in first class, business class, or coach, and it had language translations as well. So we really got into that destination space. And from there, I became managing director of Timings Custom Publishing Group, which we use all Timings content and databases to help. Uh, we put together custom uh, magazines for American Express, Visor, Unilever. And then from there, with a good friend of mine, we started Working Media Group, and I'd run that for the last 16 years. And it was a media planning and buying agency. And what interests me about podcasting is that we did media attribution for our clients. We consulted them in terms of what media channels working best for their mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with podcasting, as we all know, the length of engagement is incredible, particularly if it's episodic that sure. you hooked know, and then you'll continue to listen. And then from there, I was introduced to David, and I thought it was a great opportunity in terms of what Podbean had done and, you know, where they're going. And uh, that's where I am now on the on the sales side for Podbean. That is awesome. So I thought I'd love to just dig into the working media group a little bit because I feel like it's so fascinating to learn about podcast ad buying. And I mean, really, you guys were doing podcast ad buying, um, I would guess, when it was relatively new. What made you decide to, you know, go down that path? Was there anything appealing about it? Yeah, I mean, the the most appealing thing, it it was kind of startling for us and for our clients is that as we dug into the media attribution side of it, there are three basic things that we look at when we're doing an ad campaign. One is, what's your goal? Are you Mm -hmm. driving to retail? Are you driving them online? Is it purely conversions? So it really falls into two buckets. One is direct response. The other is brand awareness. So we look at what's the client's goal, who's the audience that they're going after, and where do they live? Where do they spend their time? And thirdly, uh, what's the budget? The budget will dictate what they can, what they can't do. And so as we helped advise clients in that, we just saw with podcasting that it was really in a unique space where it really Mm -hmm. connected with people. People were very loyal. 
and they listen to the host, not too dissimilar to, you know, if you've got a really good radio DJ, uh, there are a lot of great case studies that they've helped elevated brands. Um, you know, Vermont Teddy Bear is one where it grew from nothing. And, you know, Howard Stern, like him or not, the guy helped grow that brand to incredible business. And, you know, same thing with um, podcasting with Serial. Serial really brought, yeah. you know, podcasting to the forefront. And so, yeah, from a media, when I put my media buyer's hat on, that's really what we looked at. We looked at, mm -hmm. you know, the research behind where people were spending time. We looked at the analytics and, you know, it became that much more interesting. Mm -hmm. And so actually from Working Media Group, we uh, started a health and wellness podcast network. Oh, and yes. I saw that on your, on your LinkedIn profile. Tell me about that. Well, and you're, our, are you still doing that? Yes, that's still, it's still up and running. It's, uh -huh. um, I'm, I'm a, a partner of that, but a silent partner and really not involved in it uh, that much anymore. But our first podcast was called Food of the Gods. And mm -hmm. uh, Lindsay Barrett, who just came out with a movie called It Ain't Over, she's the granddaughter of Yogi Berra. I'm oh. not sure if you're a fan or not. But anyway, she's got great journalistic chops. She worked at ESPN. She was an anchor at MLB. And I approached her with the idea of, looking at professional athletes in terms of what they ate and how they trained. Mm -hmm. And so Food of the Gods was exactly that. Lindsay interviewed professional athletes from baseball, basketball, football, Olympians to college athletes. And what was interesting is that what we learned at the time, you know, particularly getting back into media buying, is we, would, we had an NHL player on there. Uh, Michael Lozado. So Lindsay interviewed him again. It was really interesting about what their background was, how they were brought up, you know, what type of food did they eat as kids? Did that affect how they got into the professional leagues? And then, you know, once you become a professional athlete, it's everything about your body, what you ingest. And, you know, you've got everybody telling you how to sleep, how to eat, how to train. Oh, I'm sure. So it's, it's really interesting. But building a podcast is so difficult. It's so yeah. hard. And to learn from other a bigger podcast. That's that's a whole nother conversation, but to have to talk about that. But with Food of the Gods, what we found is that we had a professional skater. He had a couple hundred thousand people following him. After the interview, he posted it through all his social channels. Then his team posted it, who had a million followers. And then the NHL posted it, which has got over, I think, six, seven million followers. So within 48 to 72 hours, probably had from potential exposure, close to 8 million followers. But what was interesting is that you would think that, wow, you know, our listenership is going to go through the roof, but, but it didn't. This was like, uh, we launched it uh, not too long ago. It was like four years ago, mm -hmm. uh, three or four years ago. And so it's interesting just to see how social media is important, but it doesn't always convert. To, it's not a, an equal, you know, just because I've got a, a million followers doesn't mean I'm going to get a, a million listeners. Right. And one of the things that I tell people all the time, which I think is so important for us to look at, is really only about 35 to 40 percent of the U.S. population is actively listening to podcasts. And so when you go on social media, of course, there's nothing wrong with exposing your podcast to your social audience like you should do that. But I do think that that is kind of the idea sometimes is, oh, wow, look, we just got in front of 8 million followers. 
we should have at least, let's say, 100,000 of them come over and check out the podcast or whatever, right? Um, But it just, it doesn't convert that same way. And that's why I think it is so important to look within the podcast ecosphere when we talk about audience growth. And that's, I think that that's also really the power of podcast advertising is that you reach people with podcast ads that you may not reach anywhere else, right? And we know that when people are here listening to podcasts, that they're very dedicated to, you know, loving podcasts. I think it's also really fascinating. A recent study I saw was looking at, you know, you could be a Joe Rogan podcast listener, let's say, right? Because Joe Rogan's the very biggest by leaps and bounds podcast out there. So maybe you listen only to Joe Rogan. You still might classify yourself as a podcast listener, but then there are all of the other millions of podcasts out there, right? right? And so when So the, I really do think the podcast listening audience is even smaller, really, than we think that it is. And that's I don't think that that's a, a bad thing. It just means that there are certain people who are really dedicated to the medium and people who are really going to dig in to, you know, to podcasting and they're, they're really going to be there. But that, in my opinion, goes back to that engaged piece, which then leads to better results with campaigns. Is that kind of what you found when you guys were buying ads that that podcast ads were pretty successful? They were, you know, it, it, it's all it's all about test and control when you when it comes to media. Absolutely, buying. you have to continually test and control. And you brought up a very good point. Like the social media is such an important aspect and such a great learning tool. As an example, there are a lot of professional athletes that may talk about a, a certain product that they you should buy and. 60, 70% of their followers may be these young kids who love them, adore them. You know, they're, they watch them all the time, but they can't afford a $200 sneaker. Right. And mom and dad aren't going to buy them that $200 sneaker. So from that respect, yes, they've got, they're influencing people, but are they converting? Mm-hmm. Whereas use an example of a young mom who listens to a podcast and she's a young mom. And she says, I use this product all the time. They're going to buy it mm-hmm. because you know, they relate. And so I, I think that's really interesting to look at that type of who is the actual follower right. on the, the social side. And to your point with Joe Rogan, he's so big. It's like there's no way you can anticipate. So, I, I you know, a lot of the Joe Rogan clients, too, are branders, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just it's a pure reach. You know, they're not necessarily looking for conversions, you know, it's all about awareness. But I think the interesting thing about our industry, too, is that you bring up a point about 30 percent of the audience. I think it's not too different or dissimilar to the buying community. I was at Advertising Week last week Mm -hmm. and you're sitting in at CTV programmatic and it's packed to the rafters. People are out the door. They want to hear about programmatic on, on that CTV side. But when it came to the panel of podcasting, the room, they weren't lined out. Interesting, really? It it was probably 30% filled. And I think that, I think it's great that podcasting is at Advertising Week. And I think it's important to educate the whole media buying community. Podcasting is really more than what you think it might be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And certainly from, you know, an ROI standpoint. So let's talk about how do you put together a really good podcast ad campaign? Like, are there certain pillars where when you're going in, maybe you're looking for 
We want, you know, the the reach to be there. We want a quantity of shows. We want personal endorsement. What kind of levers do you think are really important um, to pull when you're you're creating a campaign? Again, I think you have to look at, you know, goal, audience, budget. Mm-hmm. If your goal is pure brand awareness and reach, I think programmatic is the better route. You're mm-hmm. going to get much better, uh, you know, lower CPMs and you're going to get further reach. You've got more scale. You can do it on a global basis. If it's a direct response campaign, host trade is definitely the way to go. Conversion is much higher and you're going to be more successful. And and again, I use that example of young moms versus young kids. It's that host grid really has to hit home with that audience. So oh, do, do I trust Heather? Do I respect her? Am I going to buy that product because of her? And, you know, that's what it comes down to. And I think sometimes media agencies are so headstrong on the analytics that they forget about, you know, the connection, you know, and I think that is probably in some cases even more important because that's difficult to, it's the topic and it's the subject that they're talking about is really more important than anything. Absolutely. No, no, for sure. And I think you make such a good point that when it comes down to that connection, the host red ad is going to make that, uh, you're going to get so much more reach when you're you're looking at programmatic. And, th- and there are a lot of different things you can do with programmatic, but if you're really looking for that audience connection, you're going to, you know, really create that with the host red ad. What are your thoughts on dynamic ad insertion? Are you guys doing dynamic? You do dynamic ad insertion at Podbean, correct? Yeah, we've, you know, just to give you a little background about Podbean. So started off as a podcast hosting platform. Mm-hmm. And since 2006, Podbean is over 660,000 podcasts on the platform, of which 34,000 are part of the ads marketplace. And yes, you can do self-serve where you can choose by geo, John, or, or individual podcasts, or you can do managed service where we help find the podcast, we help execute the endorsement, you know, host rate. And the third least programmatic. And programmatic, we have everything that the larger players have from brand safety, suitability, and we work with all the major attribution partners and their tools. So yeah, the AI has been part of Podbean since I've I've come on board. I always think of Podbean as being very international as well. I, I know that you service the U.S. heavily, but you also work globally, right? Yes. So Podbean's got uh, global podcasts and um you know, a heavy concentration in APAC and, you know, certainly Europe as well. And there are a lot of interesting things that you see on the global basis that you may not see as much in the U.S. As an example, had a conversation with uh, uh, an agency the other day in Thailand. What's interesting is that the majority of their larger podcasts are all about like education and how to, which I find really interesting. That is really interesting. Uh, whereas with the U.S., comedy is number one. Right. We like to be entertained. Right. We don't need to learn things in America. We just want to have fun. Show <laughs> me how to be funny. That's right. Yeah. That is really fascinating. So let's talk a little bit about attribution. So I know you said at Podbean, you use all the different attribution partners. How does an advertiser track results with a campaign? As you've mentioned, obviously, we need to set out the goals of the campaign ahead of time. Knowing the goals is going to really... Uh, determine what kind of path we're going to take, but understanding how to track results is is really important also. And would you say, is that done primarily through just attribution partners or or do you use other methods? 
Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think it comes down to what what the brand wants, how the mm -hmm. agency is executing it. You know, are they driving them to the? It, it is more important about traffic to the site, or is it actual conversions where you're talking about? And I think the strength of, well, that the power of programmatic is really, when you look at programmatic, it's software that helps media buyers uh, plan, buy, and measure media across all media channels. In, in an ideal world, they're looking at a dashboard that they can turn it up here, turn it down there, and just see what's actually working. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a little more involved than <laughs> because when you get into the hardcore attribution, you may have a campaign that's driving to, you know, moms who shop at Target and want to buy diapers. There's some stores that may be having promotions in that area or that, that city that aren't in other cities. So you have to take that into account, which isn't going to show up on your programmatic dashboard. It's someone at the, the highest level has to say, well, hold on a second. Let's see what contributed mm -hmm. to that. And it could be every, anything from broadcast TV to linear TV, radio. You know, there's a lot of components, particularly on, the, on a global scale. So I'm giving you a long-winded answer that as it relates to podcasting, typically it's what's driving people to the website and ultimately what's converting from what podcasts. Mm -hmm. And would you say... You know, obviously the industry standard is the promo code or the unique URL. How important is it to partner those with an attribution tracking software? Yeah, it's, no, it's very important. When I was at CBS, we did direct response ads. And the beauty of a direct response ad is that you know exactly where it's coming from. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, pre that you would do a survey and you would ask someone oh, what, what show were you watching? And they'd say 60 Minutes, where in reality, they were watching Cops and they just wanted to tell you that. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, and you know, and that's still the case. People are going to listen to some whatever trashy podcast and they're not going to want to tell you that. But, you know, we know. Right, right. <laughs> you yeah. and I know better. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I, um, I hadn't thought about it like that. So, you know, I think one of the things that's really fascinating to me about your journey is that you went from buying to selling. And in my journey, I went from selling, I started my career in ad sales, and then I owned my own company. So then I went to buying. And I really thought if I had flipped those around that I would have been a much better salesperson if I had bought before I had sold just because it's amazing how often when you're buying something, you just don't feel like the person's actually listening to you. Yes. And oftentimes they just give you what it is that they want to sell you as opposed to what you feel like you really want or what you really need. How do you feel like that journey has changed for you? Do you feel like you're able to provide your clients with a higher level of service because you had purchased podcast ads and obviously other media channels as well, right? Like how has that experience been for you? No, that it's a great question. And I think I, I think it's important for any business person to kind of play on both sides of the fence if they can, if they have the opportunity. You know, mm -hmm. for instance, you start off in, in sales and you're probably very good at it because you started your own company and that's very difficult as an entrepreneur. So you kind of just stuck with that. It's like, I'm not going to go back because typically on the buy side, you're going to be making a lot less, you know, and that's why buyers will tend to jump on the sales side because they can make more. Unless they stick with it, obviously you move up the chain on the bigger agencies and you can, you can do well. But to answer your question, I think that 
what, what I realized as I got onto the media planning and buying side is that you're so busy. You've got so many clients that you're putting plans together that you just want the salesperson to package it up and put it in a bow. Right. Yes. You don't want to sift through it and say, I think the really good sellers kind of get, you know, ask the right questions, get an idea of, okay, let's cut all this stuff out because page five through 10, they're not going to look at. Right. Let's just just give it to them once that they can take it right off the paper and insert it right into. And so what's happening now, a lot of the, the podcast agencies, they just give you a shared Google Doc and say, fill it in. So then they can share it with the whole you know, buying agency and say, hey, look, this is what Podbean has. This is whatever. Or if you know that they took on a new client, then you say, ah, you know, here's some of the podcasts that I think could make sense for them. Again, if someone can come to you and say, I know what you want, here it is. It's like any good salesperson. It's like, you know, you go to Home Depot, guys like, ah, I got it. Here's, here's what you want. Right. And you may want this too. And then, right, then you right. start upselling. <laughs> right. And that's one of the challenges with podcasting, right, that we've been talking about for years is that it does tend to be fragmented. And as much as, you know, um, companies like like yourself, you know, at Podbean, you can offer this this scale with the different offerings that you have. It still is really challenging to be able to package it in a way that it just is a quick buy. And, um, and, you know, we're not quite there just yet. And so I, I do think that that's a challenge. What do you think are some of the mistakes that advertisers make when it comes to podcast advertising? Well, I think one of the trends that was happening, and unfortunately, it, it's starting to go away, but there was a period just over the past year or so that uh, there are a number of brands that were doing short, you know, they, they, would, they would like buy for the week, mm-hmm. you know week in October, one week in November, one week in December. And, you know, you, you need, in order for it to be a credible test, there needs to be some uh, fluid, you know, you've got to get the right reach and frequency. And if you chop it up like that, it, it just doesn't work. We typically told clients that you should run a minimum campaign for four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and depending on what channel you were buying in, you needed to get the proper frequency. Right. So I do see that, you know, in podcasting now, they're doing less of that short buy and really giving it a little more time because, you know, you kind of have to. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's always so tricky. And I think back to experiences that I've had where advertisers' ads go live and then they're calling me the next day saying, I didn't see any results. And I'm like, your ad just went live. Like, you know, I think that buyers are very conditioned to get quick wins with social media. Do you think that that has impacted it? I do. I think, I exactly. I think that's um, part of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, social media, things fly off the shelf. Like, right. that's right. It right. goes viral. But viral is, you know, it's kind of a shot in the dark. You're not guaranteed any type of success. Whereas podcasting is kind of, traditional in the sense that, you know, you got to hang in there. You got to give it a little time. Right, right. The other thing that I just, I think part of the reason that social media can act so quickly is because you, well, and and I, I think also we have to look at the different types of products, right? Like a, I think of myself even, I'm an Instagram person and, you know, I'll be scrolling through Instagram and I might see something that catches my eye 
maybe then I can easily click to their site and look at their products and see, you know, if I really like it or not. Then, of course, the minute that you click on their site, you've gotten on their target list. So then you're going to see their ads lots and lots of times after that. But it there is this kind of ease. And I will say, at least for myself, if I see a product that is inexpensive and I'm like, oh, this is something I've really wanted. Oh, and look, I could get it for 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever, right? I'm like, yeah, no problem. Like, I'm just going to buy it, right? It's like an easy decision. I'm not going to buy a $2,000 mattress frame, though, from an Instagram ad that I just saw it. And it's it's not going to be an impulse for me. So I, I do think that it depends on the type of product that you're looking at. And one of the other things that I don't think we do well enough in podcasting is look at the overall marketing mix that that advertiser has and work to play the campaign off of other things that they have running as well. So yes, we're looking at how their podcast ads are performing, but what about how the podcast ads are impacting the effectiveness of the other forms of ads that they're running, right? Right. So if I've heard a podcast for, um, I'm in the market for a bed frame right now. So like, that's very top of mind for me. But like, if I see, you know, if I hear ads for a bed frame and then I see it on Instagram, I might be more likely because I've already been thinking about this company. I've already heard about this company. I'm already warmed up to the idea. And then, yeah, through Instagram, it is a lot more clickable for me. And so that advertiser is going to attribute the buy to Instagram when, in fact, it could have had a lot to do with podcasting. And so I, I think that it's so important for advertisers to approach it with that that global mindset of how is our overall marketing strategy, how is our overall media mix really playing into the effectiveness of of our campaigns across the board. And podcasts should be examined, I think, individually, but it should also be examined in the broader approach. What are your thoughts on that? No, I totally agree. I mean, we, we work with clients where uh, we sort of search increase and, you know, right away they say, oh, we got to put more money into search. But we said, well, look, you know, you can see the connection of search working. More people were going to search when you had a branding campaign going up. And so, yes, you, you have to weigh all channels. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, you know, it, it, if there was a an answer to it, I would have retired a long time ago. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult. You know, it, it's no... There, it is a science, but there's no definitive formula. There isn't. And I, I think I remember, and you probably do too. I remember because I was in traditional media and all of a sudden when digital media came out and it was like, we can track everything. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. We're going to, we've just solved all of our advertising and marketing issues because now we can track everything. But as you said, I think oftentimes marketers lean more heavily into the analytics as opposed to maybe looking at the other pieces that are more difficult to quantify, where like it's the the soft pieces, right? Like the connection, the brand, uh, you know, the brand engagement or just the overall brand awareness, all of those pieces, obviously through studies and and lift reports and, and things like that, you can discover those. But if that's not at the forefront and you're just looking at the peer analytics they can be misleading. And, and I think the other challenge with podcasts that I, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to 
answer this question anytime soon, but is it online or is it offline? Um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think the biggest challenge and, and not, you know, for digital or, you know, which podcast is considered part of, the, you know, yes, it's audio, but it's also mm -hmm. digital too, but it's the IP is to the household. So it's not exact. And uh, yeah, I get ads popping up that your kids or why are they sending me this shoe coming? Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, you see your daughter walking around three weeks later in those shoes. You're like, ah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do think from the programmatic side, they're definitely getting better. I mean, you have the ability to layer on actual first party data, mm -hmm. third party data. First party data, you, it, that's transactional data. I mean, it's like that these, this is your audience. And so, you know, yes, I, I, I think there are two things, the data side of it and the uh, measurement side of it has gotten light years better than it was even a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And and I think we're going to continue to see that. So on that note, do you have any predictions of where you see the podcast industry headed? Well, I think there are three interesting things that have happened just recently. I think between Apple, Amazon, and can't forget our friends at Google and YouTube, you know, they're the industry could change dramatically in the next six months to a year. Mm -hmm. So that will be, that's a fluid situation and it will be interesting to see what happens. Apple is, you know, starting to produce and sell advertising for their own shows. You know, Amazon with buying Wondery is mm -hmm. now pushing out those shows through Freebie, which they own. But Hernan Lopez, who started Wondery, Probably one of the best speakers I've ever seen was fantastic. And he actually, he said something that I, I thought was really interesting. He, one of the questions was that the upfronts, what are the three things that you need for a successful podcast? So he said, number one, you need really good content. Number two, you need really good marketing. And number three, you need really good marketing. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that was kind of their approach. And, and Wondery was Wondery about, did really good marketing. Yeah, exactly. But it was quality. It was quality. They focus on few of good quality versus mm -hmm. mass, anything goes. And so anyway, between Apple, Amazon with that, going in that direction. And then with YouTube, it's, uh, it's just going to be interesting to see if they want to close the gates and kind of not be friendly to the rest of the podcasting community. And then when you look at stocks, the FANG stocks, you know, you really can't forget about Meta and Netflix. I mean, at any day, they could kind of get involved too in their yeah. uh, strategy. So it, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't see the motivation for YouTube to be friendly. One of the things that has been so amazing about the podcast industry is that we are just a great group of people, not to toot our own horns, but like, you know, it's it's been a very fun, amicable place to be in, right? It's a, an industry that is very supportive of one another as a whole. We all really want to make progress and we're making progress, which is is really exciting. But somebody like YouTube, they don't need to come in and play nice with us because they hold so much power. And yeah, I just, I think, I think that the minute that they ingest all RSS feeds, we're going to see some real, real changes. Yeah. I mean, we were, I, I was at NAB this week and that conversation came up, not, not to your point about it being more community oriented, more friendly when it first started because it was new. It's cool. It's like when sure. the internet 
coming around. Everybody's like, oh, this is really cool. This is what you can do. You do this thing. But now when you talk about larger money coming in, being a big part of it, then it's like, it starts getting a little, not a little, gets very competitive. Very competitive. They want to crush you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so if you're listening to YouTube, please don't crush us. No. <laughs> I mean, I really do think that it's about adaptability, right? Like we have yes. to look at the industry and say, okay, we already know podcasts are powerful. Yes, people had primarily been listening through Apple and then now through Spotify and now through YouTube, right? And so it's just the progression of how how things are going to change. And as much as video is coming into play, and I think I think that there is a place where video and audio are converging. Obviously, like right now, we're recording in video and in audio, and there is a convergence, but there's still that pure audio listener, right? I'm yes. an audio person. I like audio. I'm not going to watch a podcast. And maybe there are lots of people out there who will, and that could really grow our numbers in some ways, but I still really feel like audio is the place to be. So we'll have to see, you know, we'll have to see how it all comes, comes down. I agree. And I think there, there's been plenty of studies that the I don't know if intensity is the right word of it, but the intensity of listening to audio versus visual. Visual, yeah. you can kind of like lay back a little. You're not as, you know, yeah. Uh, audio, you really, you know, you got to listen to it because you're not you looking do. Yeah. And the other aspect on the plus side with podcasting, I still think there's going to be plenty of opportunities. There's a lot of tech coming down the road yes. that is going to get people that much more involved. And it's just going to continue to grow as buyers become more and more. Mm -hmm familiar and comfortable with it. And, you know, it's interesting with a lot of the buyers, as you've experienced, they'll, they're skewing on the younger side and they've got earbuds on them all the time. All the time. I know. I know. It's, you're getting to a place now where it's weird to see someone without an earbud sometimes. Right. <laughs> they're just, I mean, I think, man, they're everywhere. People are listening to stuff all the time. And you don't know if they're listening to music or if they're listening to audiobooks or podcasts or whatever they are, but I mean, earbuds make it extremely easy to listen 24-7. So, right. yeah, exactly. yeah. Very, very fascinating. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to connect with you and learn more about Podbean, where can they find you? Yeah, they can either find me on LinkedIn or they can find me at T at podbean.com. And that's K-E-R-R-Y. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You bet. Thanks, Heather. Thank you for listening. I hope that this episode has been educational for you. If you're interested in learning more about podcast advertising, head on over to my YouTube channel. Of course, we're happy you're listening on the podcast, but I do have a YouTube channel where we're putting out great content about podcast advertising. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry.